Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Grateful. Nothing personal word of the day. Today's Friday. Some of you may be sleeping day after Thanksgiving. You get a day off from work. Not Coca. Called up Coca last night after a long Thanksgiving day and said, hey, are we doing a show tomorrow? Because I knew we were always scheduled to do a show because we pretty much do a show every day. But I was starting to work on it. And I said, what do you think, Coca? He said, tomorrow's Friday. I said, yeah, but it's Thanksgiving Friday. He said, is it a holiday? And I said, well, it's sort of a holiday. People aren't at school. He said, no, we're doing a show. Let's go. Best show of the year. I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful to you. Everyone's texting and Facebooking and Instagramming. I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful for you. I get confused with the two and the four, not sure which to use. So I sometimes just do grateful you can't reach everyone you want to reach to wish them a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has become something where it's associated with gluttony, which is ironic. It's associated with huge amounts of overeating. Hopefully, you see family, which comes with anxiety and pressure and nerves. It comes with frayed nerves and arguments. I spent Thanksgiving. I drove... First, I drove, listen, what is the deal with the turkey trot? Is it supposed to make you feel better about eating 4,000 calories that you run a 5K? Is there anything more annoying than getting to a morning turkey trot of Thanksgiving morning and having one guy in a singlet and tight pants in 30-degree weather sprinting back and forth before the race even starts, like getting all jacked up, it reminded me of a movie like in Wedding Crashers, Bradley Cooper getting ready for the touch football game, which wasn't so touch. And he's doing all these crazy exercises and you look at him and you're like, what a D-bag, like what are you doing? So this guy's going nuts. I'm like, you better win the damn race if you're gonna look like that. So my morning started with a turkey trot. I had not run since the New York Marathon. Hadn't laced up the sneakers. I did a calculation that I've laced up the shoes three times since the first week in October, and all three were for marathons. So I put on the sneakers. I go to the turkey trot because I'm trying to do something to make up for the fact that I'm going to be sitting around and eating and watching football all day. And the guy in the singlet, he starts the race. They start the race. You go. And I'm going out. You think it's a 5K. You can run faster than your marathon pace. So I go out fast. I do the first mile in nine minutes. I'm huffing and puffing. I feel like absolute crap. It's freezing cold. I've got a T-shirt on, a long sleeve, a quarter zip, a vest, a hat, 
gloves, spandex, shorts, socks, shoes. I'm hot, then I'm cold, then I'm cold, and then the wind blows, and then I'm hot. So I put the hat above my ears, then the ears get cold, and I put the hat over my ears. The AirPods fall out because I don't put the hat over the AirPods exactly, so then I have to get the AirPods. I'm being passed by people doing their turkey trot who are pretending it's the damn Olympics. Get done with the 5K. I finished in 28 minutes. 28 minutes of working out so I can say to myself, don't worry, you can have the extra cookie, the extra piece of pie, none of which I'm tasting totally, so I don't know what I'm doing. Get in the car, drive 40 minutes back, shower, get in the car for two and a half hours to go to Connecticut. Spent Thanksgiving in Connecticut at my sister's house, my sister who passed away a few months ago. My brother-in-law invited us to come, and so we, of course, came. How do you not? Thanksgiving was always hosted by my sister. And I spent the two and a half hours driving thinking about how weird and sad and upsetting it would be walking into her house where I hadn't been since Shiva, which is what you do in Judaism after a funeral, where it's just you eat and shiva, say a prayer. Walk into the house, and I'm immediately greeted by vegetables and dip, and the feeling that on Thanksgiving you're supposed to just have food all the time, and we didn't even talk much about my sister, which I thought was like the 800-pound gorilla in the room. But she was missed. It was incredibly sad for me because that house is her house. Now, of course, she shares it with her husband and three kids. But that, to me, was my sister's house. And I'm sitting there watching Thanksgiving unravel. And I'm thinking about the two-and-a-half-hour drive that I'm going to make after, knowing that I probably had a show and I got anxious about that. And I'm not a stress eater. There's two types of people, right? Stress eaters and stress non-eaters. So I had some salad. I had one piece of turkey. I'm not a huge fan of Thanksgiving food. And I started thinking about things that I should be grateful for, but I don't feel grateful. And it reminded me of the same feeling that happened after the longevity cancer event, which I went to, where I wasn't as grateful as I should have been for the survivor stories because my sister didn't. And the guilt that you feel when you don't feel as grateful as you know you should feel is an unbelievable guilt. And I'm, I'm a professional guilt feeler. And so when you know that you're not feeling the way you should feel, when you're not feeling as grateful, that's the word that's used around Thanksgiving, and you just don't feel it. What do you do about that? What do you do when in your mind you're not reacting to a situation the way you're supposed to be reacting to it? Whether you're on a job interview, whether you're in a meeting, whether you're having a conversation with your children, with your parents, with your friends, and you take a second to step outside yourself and you watch and listen as you are having a conversation or as you are making a decision, what do you exactly do? And... I started thinking that the way to do it is to actually examine why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, why I want to be upset and miserable and angry with the world while also knowing, and this was when it clicked for me, while also knowing 
that I can be both grateful for what I have, grateful for the moments that I get each day with certain people, grateful for the reality of my life, but understanding that no matter who you are, no matter how much luck you've had, no matter how much money you have, no matter how little adversity you may have, you're still human. And that your problems, while may not be other people's problems, they're called first world problems, right? That's what you always say to people who are successful. <clears throat> to successful people, you say, oh, you've got first world problems. I'll never use that word again because it's not fair. Because to people, whatever their issues are, those are their issues and those are the issues that mean the most to them. So I'm not complaining to you this morning because I am the luckiest person in the world, but I did something to wallow in my misery. And the way I wallow, and this is going to sound ridiculous, and I get it. You're going to say, wow, that Samson guy, he's out of touch. But just remember what I said when we started, that the, my problems to me are my problems. I got back around, I don't know, 11 o'clock, 11.30, worked on the show, woke up as usual at 2.30, staring at the ceiling, thinking about the show, thinking about Coca, thinking about myself. And I went to watch my one episode of Survivor because I wanted to wallow in my misery and look at my failures and try to take stock in where I am what I can do better, what I'm thankful for. And I went back and watched the 42-minute part of the first episode of the season 28 of Survivor. And I focused on tribal council where I got blindsided and voted out. And I put myself back in that moment. The moment when I did the math and realized that I would forever be known as a first boot on Survivor put myself in that moment, because I was thinking that at the time, put myself in the moment watching Jeff Probst snuff my torch, thinking that was the end of that journey. That is a permanent failure with what I wanted to accomplish, which was to win a million dollars in 39 days, which is a great rate of return, great return on your time investment. I had it all figured out, all the math. And it was really cool looking back these seven years it was February 26th of 2014 when that episode aired. It was taped in July of 2013. Looking back and realizing that the failures that I've had, that the moments of adversity, while by definition are privileged moments of adversity, I still feel the same things that everybody feels. I still take stock in those moments that to me, are when I don't do as well as I could do, when I don't achieve what I think I can achieve, when I don't accomplish what I set out to accomplish when I start a task. And that feeling both drives me, it terrifies me, and it endures. Make no mistake, it endures. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful to CBS 
for giving us this platform every day. I hope that everyone, you know, Thanksgiving is not to me about what we did to Native Americans. It's not about thinking about the losers of the war, how things work and how history judges and people who lose or communities. It's, it's about, while all those things are important to think about, so we don't repeat it. To me, Thanksgiving is always about taking a moment. So I hope everyone was able to take a moment and realize that while we all have plenty of issues and problems, I hope you took a moment to say, you know what? I can also be grateful. All right. I watched a little bit of football yesterday and I smiled. I've spent a lot of time. I'm sorry to Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions. I really am sorry, Dan. I'm sorry that you provide content and you have an opening press conference where you talk about kneecaps and how great we're going to be and then your team can't win a game. They're 0-9-1. And then I had a moment of being a little harsh where I said, you know, if you're not good at your job, I don't have a huge amount of tolerance. I don't like incompetence. I don't like people who think they can do something when they can't. I don't like people who think they do more than they actually do. I have great respect for people who work there, took us off, and don't accomplish or don't succeed, but they went down swing. There's nothing worse than taking a called third strike, right? You want to go down swing. I can't tell if Dan Campbell is going down swinging. I can definitely tell you he's going down. He's not going to survive his entire contract. We knew this. That was a wait to see. But if you were paying attention to the Lions game yesterday, they were playing the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears, who were rumored to be firing their coach after the game, did we do a wait to see that they were going to fire their coach, Coca? Was that Wednesday's wait to see? I can't even remember what it was, and I don't have the document open where we keep track. But we said that when there's smoke, there's fire, so I assumed that Nagy was going to get fired. So the owner of the Bears before the game, George McClaskey, meets with the players, meets with the coaches, and says, it's all horse hockey. We're not firing our coach. Go get him. So the Bears are three-point favorites, playing the worst team. The Bears had lost four in a row, yada, yada. They do an 18-play drive. They should score a touchdown and cover. They end up kicking a field goal, winning the game on a walk-off field goal. The coach, Matt Nagy, calls it the greatest win ever, taking a page out of Urban Oscar Meyer, how happy he is to have won the game. Dan Campbell walks off the field like a deer in headlights, having misused the clock at the end of the game not knowing the rules that you can't call back-to-back timeouts. Doesn't matter the specifics. What matters is Dan Campbell is not a good coach. The Lions are not a good team. And Matt Nagy won a game. The Bears break their losing streak. And then the owner comes out and says, hey, it was all part of the plan. It was all good. It brought us together. We were able to fight for a common cause of saving the coach and getting a big win a walk-off field goal win over the worst team in football who's not won a game? Do you think the owner goes back, slices the turkey, carves the turkey, and says, hey, I'm good. 
Like, I'm a master motivator. My guys are responding to me. Look at the way they responded by barely eking out a win over the Detroit freaking Lions. Who's kidding who? Now, is Matt Nagy safe? If you're the Chicago Bears owner and you watched that game yesterday, Matt Nagy needs to go. And you may not fire him during the season because you want to keep a streak alive. I used to do that a lot. I talked to PJ, my senior VP of communications, and I'd ask him about precedent. What have we done as a franchise before? What haven't we done? When I was going over different moves I wanted to make, different marketing strategies, different giveaways, have we ever done that? And he was in charge of the archives. So he'd be able to know everything the franchise has done. And one thing the Bears have done is they've never fired a coach midseason. Now, if you're the PR guy of Chicago and you get told if your owner communicates with you, which not all owners do, but you're supposed to communicate with your head of communications, get it? Communications. Communicate. McCaskey. Is it McClaskey or McCaskey? George, the owner, curious George, would ask his communications guy and they'd say, hey, we're not, we can't fire a guy midseason. Like, stop. Fire him after the season. We only have six games left. That's all we have. And so McCaskey gets gets told, I'm glad you motivated the team. Way to get the win. We're going nowhere. We're not going to be playing in January. But get rid of Nagy at the end of the season. So therefore, on nothing personal today, November 26th on Friday, I will easily give you an extra wait to see, Coca. So put it in the document. Matt Nagy will not coach the Bears in 2022 because I'm right about smoke and fire. And if they had lost to the Lions, McCaskey may have told his head of communications to bugger off. But because they did, they get to keep the streak alive. Other big news that happened since we last spoke. You remember our wait to seize, right? Where we tell you something's going to happen, and then when it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we revisit it because we're not the gas bags on the other networks or the other shows. It's okay to be wrong. On October 29th, 2021, we told you that Stan Officer Kroenke and the NFL will settle the indemnification issue without a lawsuit. The NFL indemnification issue is that owners must pay for all defense costs when the NFL or other owners are sued because of an act that you take. You sign a document that says it when you buy your franchise, yet Kroenke said, I may not want to pay. The NFL may have had to sue him. Kroenke may have sued the NFL. Guess what? Settled. There will be no lawsuit. That's a yes. Because on November 15th, 2021, I said that Stan Officer Kroenke is going to settle the lawsuit with St. Louis. Remember, he offered $100 million and St. Louis turned it down. And I said, don't worry, that will settle. This will not go to trial. There will not be further discovery. They're not going to have the owners take the stand. It's NGTH. It's never going to happen. And I said, get ready. They're going to settle for more than $250 million. I wanted there to be the shock factor because $250 million, that's a lot of money. Well, guess what? 
Gee, Stan, did you really settle for $790 million? Yes, you did. That wait to see was a yes. The Los Angeles Rams, owned by Stan Kroenke, will be writing a check for $790 million and giving it to St. Louis. Were you shocked? I wasn't. St. Louis had said the whole time, we want our team. We don't want to be treated this way. We don't want to have lost a team. We want honesty. Honesty is such a lonely word and barely ever heard from me. He. That's what Stan was singing. And that's what St. Louis was singing. They got together and they sang the chorus to the great Billy Joel song because Stan looked right at St. Louis at the negotiators and the lawyers for St. Louis and said, you don't want a team. You don't want to go to trial and spend the money and the resources. You just want a settlement. You want me to help with your budget deficit that is a result of COVID. Fine. What's the number? Two billion. Come on, man. A hundred million. 1.5 billion. Fine. 200 million. No, 1 billion. All right. 400 million. And they settled on 790. That's how these negotiations actually go. When we settled lawsuits with the city of Miami and the county of Miami-Dade, other settlements that we've done, it's just a negotiation because it's always just about the money. So first, you negotiate a number. Then you negotiate a P squared. It's critical to not forget about the payment plan. Payment plans are always part of a negotiated settlement. Releases are part of a negotiated settlement, which brings me back to the John Gruden story and how it's possible he's suing the NFL, how it's possible the Raiders paid him out with getting a release, how it's possible the NFL let him, let the Raiders get rid of Gruden without getting a release of the NFL. When you are settling something, you get releases. Releases mean we're done here. You can never bring up the relocation of the Rams out of St. Louis. Don't come crawling back when you need another 10 million, 100 million, 1 billion. Don't get upset if there's a fourth wave in South Africa of COVID that's coming to the United States that is some sort of jump the shark wave. Don't bother me at all. We're settled. And you are releasing me from any further obligation. I'm releasing you. We're releasing each other. We're free as a bird. That's one part. Now, what about the P squared? All right, when do you want your money? And then one party goes through its cash flow statement, figures out when they need money, what they're going to use the money for. Because when a political body, a city, a community gets a m bunch of money like that, what do you think is happening? Just give me one guess as to what you think is happening. Ready? I'll wait for it. People in the community, the politicians are fighting over who gets use of that money. Everyone in every district, every commissioner wants his or her or their stake of the money, their share of the money. They want to use it to help their constituents. They want to use it to help solve a budget issue. They want to build a park. They want to build a, a, an arena. They want to use the Chamber of Commerce to get it. Everybody wants part of that money.
So I don't know if you're aware of how it works, but there's a negotiation that goes on within the St. Louis political system of how that 790 is going to be split. And do you know how long it takes to figure out what to do with that money? Way longer than it takes for Stan to pay the money. So here's how it's actually going to work. Stan's going to say, I'll give you 790, but I want to give it over a year. I want to give it over two years, or I'll give you 400 upon signing of the release. 100 million once the lawsuit is officially dropped and the last 296 months from today or 12 months from today, they will come up with a payment plan. St. Louis will agree to it. Why? Because they don't know what to do with it. Their investment arm will put it in a general fund maybe, secrete it away, a separate account. And there was a statement made by the mayor of St. Louis who talked about the settlement and of course said, this settlement, and I quote, closes a long chapter for our region, securing hundreds of millions of dollars for our communities while avoiding the uncertainty of the trial. And we are still determining what to do with the money. OMG, Yahtzee. Of course they're still determining it because everyone has the handout. Hey. I've got, I need $50 million right here. Come on, in my district. We got to do something. I want to I wanna feed everyone for 12 months, and then I want to get rid of every homeless person. And then on top of that, I want to build more parks. And then I want to build a high line. But I need it to be in my district. Oh, no, I want something. No, no, I, I have a whole project here. I need affordable housing. So everyone thinks they have $790 million to work with. Mark my words here on nothing personal. St. Louis is going to have quite an argument over what to do with the money. The only people who don't have to argue because they win every single time, guess who wins? The lawyers. So if you're thinking about going to law school, do it. I always suggest people go to law school instead of business school. Lawyers win even when their clients lose. Lawyers get paid either way. Now you're going to at me and say, what about contingency lawyers? What about personal injury lawyers? They tell me, oh, I'll represent you, but I'll only take 33% of what we win. If you don't win, I don't get paid. Meanwhile, they're all driving nicer cars than you are. The lawyers got 35% of the 790. 35% $276 million to a bunch of lawyers who will not be using it to build affordable housing. Hip, hip, hooray. The lawsuit's done. Do how many people could use just even $10 or $100? When we come back, we're going to review something I watched that talks about that very thing. We'll be right back here on Nothing Personal. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca coming to you live to tape on November 26, 2021. Live to tape means that it is November 26th, but when you're listening to this, we're not live. It's being taped, but unedited because we don't edit. 45 minutes every day, mostly, pretty much every day. CBS keeps saying, you know, you don't take a lot of vacation. I said, well, it's not like you pay Coco overtime or anything, but no, we don't take vacation. Though we may in December. Shh. Watch a movie or a show every day. I've been on a binge festival. I had a major crush on Andy McDowell when she was in Four Weddings and a Funeral, when she was in St. Elmo's Fire. I was Emilio Estevez in St. Elmo's Fire driving through the snow just to tell this beautiful, unattainable woman that I love her, trying to do the impossible, having the guts to talk to people when other people wouldn't. Andy McDowell is now of the age where she has a daughter who was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as one of the Kool-Aid drinking women who picks up Brad Pitt. Well, Margaret Margaret Qualley is her name, and she stars in a 10-part miniseries called Maid, M-A-I-D. Margaret Qualley is a maid, but that's not what the show's about. Andy McDowell, her mother, is in the show playing her mother in a part that shows Andy McDowell's range. She plays a bipolar sort of uh, artist who is very difficult to deal with and really is like the child of the child. Very hard when your parents become children. The circle of life, baby. The seasons, they go round and round. The thing about Maid that fascinated me is that as a person of privilege, I never had to worry about money. Even when I had no money, I didn't worry about money because I knew that I could earn money. You've heard the stories of how I earned money in school, all the jobs I did where I would get paid. I always had this knowledge that no matter what, not only could I earn money, but I also had a safety net. And I believed that I had parents that wouldn't let me live on the street, that wouldn't let me be homeless. And that level of comfort, it makes me lucky among the luckiest people in the world. It's way easier to walk on a tightrope 100 feet in the air when you know you'll land on a mattress and not in a ravine. And I acknowledge that. The trick is convincing yourself that the ravine is actually there and having the Jewish mindset, the worry, the anxiety, that the net that is being provided to me 
that the cushion that's being provided to me has holes in it, and if I fall into the ravine, I will fall on the spike in the middle of the cushion, and it will not matter. So therefore, I'm going to do anything I have to do to not fall. Margaret Qualley has no cushion. She has no real ability to earn money. She is in the system with a child, escaping abuse, trying to figure out what to do, how to make money, how to provide for her child. Part of the miniseries keeps track of her money, watching her make real-time decisions, decisions when she can't buy food but has to buy cleaning supplies to become a maid. It's a very interesting show because it's A, well-acted, by Margaret Qualley, who's going to be a star. But the reason why it's important, especially around Thanksgiving, is that if someone like her character, and it is based on a true story, she's a writer who wanted to write what she had to do to become a writer, the shelter she had to live in, the streets she had to live on, the escape she had to make from her abusive husband, the moral of the story, the strength that you need to accomplish what you want to accomplish is inside you. The question is, do you tap it? The people who cannot lift themselves up, who do not succeed, whatever your definition of success is, who say they have no opportunity, who say they have no options, made over 10 episodes, true story, shows you that no matter where you are in the socioeconomic scale, no matter what hand you have been dealt, no matter what your privilege is or the exact opposite, your lack of privilege, no matter how great your net is or how holy your net is or how absent it is, it is within your control to work hard or do more and therefore accomplish for your child or yourself what no one thought you had to chance to accomplish. It is worth your time, 10 episodes. It's called Made, it's on Netflix. It's not an easy watch by any stretch, but it's an important watch. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I wanna talk to Samson. You guys are all amazing. Oh, I can't say you guys. Jeff Probst can't say that. You all are amazing. So you want to talk to Samson is when you get to me on Twitter at David P. Samson. Hit follow. Go into my DMs, which are open. Ask a question. And if it's a question that I can answer on Twitter, I'll answer. If it's a question I don't answer, it's because there's too many. Some of them make it on the show. So you want to talk to Samson's from a movie called Half-Baked. Hi, David. Now everybody starts questions with that, which makes me smile. Hi. Some, hello's good. Bonjour. That's okay, too. Were you ever late to a game like the Minnesota Wild were on Wednesday night? <laughs> People are wondering, what is it? who are the Minnesota Wild? Yeah, there's a hockey team in Minnesota, and they're not the North Stars. They're called the Minnesota Wild. As a matter of fact, did the, did the, this is taxing my memory. 
Coca, did the Minnesota North Stars move to Dallas and become the Dallas Stars, and then the Minnesota Wild got an expansion team? Another example of a city that had to pay double in order to get their expansion team? I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds possible. The Minnesota Wild were playing in, in Jersey on Wednesday night. When you are on the road as a baseball team or a hockey team or a basketball team, your traveling secretary makes all road trip plans before the season even starts. You get your schedule months before the season starts. And the first thing the traveling secretary does is work with your charter company for the flights and then work with hotels in each city, meets with the president and the GM. Do you want to go a day early? Are you okay with these hotels? Then you check with the owner because there are a few cities the owner likes to go to to make sure the owner's okay. Cities that the owner doesn't go to, the owner doesn't care about the hotel. Do you have a corporate sponsorship deal with a hotel where you have to stay in a certain hotel in a certain city? So you go through and you make your entire plan before the season starts. You know the dates of every game. It's not like a surprise where every week you wake up and it's, oh my God, we have a game tomorrow. Everyone knows their schedule. Minnesota knew that they were going to be in the New York area the day before Thanksgiving. Okay, you play. There's NFL teams who play on Thanksgiving Day. There are NBA teams who play on Christmas Day. You may not like it. By the way, all the road teams won again in the NFL. Side note. What could be worse than playing on Thanksgiving as a road team? Nothing, so you might as well win the game. What could be worse than being a home team on Thanksgiving where you can't even be with your family or friends and you go to work and then you lose? Insult to injury. So the Minnesota Wild knew way in advance that they had to be in Jersey Wednesday night, November the 24th. Were they paying attention or not? Teams that play in Jersey, there are several crappy hotels around the Meadowlands Newark, where you could stay, but everyone wants to be in the city. The players, the staff, the executives, the owners, they all want to be in New York City. You can go to shows, you can go to meals, you can go down to the Flatiron District, the Meatpacking District, you can go to the Upper West Side, Upper East Side, Tribeca, NoHo, SoHo, Reho, Inho, Backho. It's fun. Players like being in New York City. So sometimes you take the extra night when you can, when you can do something nice for your players, even though the rates in New York are always so expensive, but you add it to the budget and you're good. But you must take into account that if you are playing in Jersey on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, there's going to be traffic. The Minnesota Wild were late to their game because their team bus got stuck in traffic leaving the city. Oh my God. Like, that's the biggest surprise ever. And the Devils, were they playing the Devils, Coca? They must have been playing the Devils. They held the game back. They actually delayed the start of the game because the team wasn't there. It's way nicer than I'd be. The game starts late. Why? How does that phone call go? The traveling secretary is on the bus always. 
The itinerary that the players get, it shows the time of the bus departure. There's two buses, an early bus and a late bus. The late bus doesn't mean you're late to the game. The late bus is just for guys who don't want to get to the rink early. You get the time. Did no one look at that itinerary and say, wow, we're leaving a little too late right during rush hour. We're going to have a problem. If I'm the president of the Minnesota Wild, I've lost my mind. I'm not going to fire my traveling secretary because I'm so loyal to Bill Beck and Manny Cologne, but God, am I going to be pissed. They'd never do it because I would never let it happen because I'm a micromanager enough that I would have looked at the itinerary and said, hey, if we want to stay in the city during Thanksgiving, that's fine, but we're going to have a 1 p.m. bus, not a 4 p.m. bus. It is the traveling secretary who sets the time of departure of the bus from the team hotel, but it is the GM and the president who approve it but we're not going to fire ourselves. I was never late to a game, ever. As a matter of fact, Freddie Gonzalez was a new manager for the Marlins. I just thought of this right now. Small little detour. When you're a new manager for a team and the biggest moment is not the press conference when you're introduced. The biggest moment is the first day when pitchers and catchers report. No position players, but pitchers and catchers. And you are meeting your team as a group and you start the meeting and you give a speech to your players. Freddie Gonzalez, rookie manager, but a great, great guy who I think about and still am in touch with. Sorry we had to fire you, Freddie. But he went on to a great managerial career with Atlanta, by the way. He just, so you're welcome for the opportunity. Wink, wink. I love Freddie. He said, I got two rules. That's it. I'm not giving you a laundry list of rules. I have two rules. That's it. One, do your job. Two, don't be late. Baseball is run by the clock. Ironic for a sport that doesn't have a clock. Team buses leave at a certain time. The game starts at a certain time. The team plane leaves at a certain time. BP is at a certain time. Everything is at the exact minute it should be. Don't be late. It's embarrassing. So no, I was never late. Nothing personal pick of the day. We gave you a pick, Sun six and a half over the Cavs. Going for 14 wins in a row. They did win 14 in a row. They only won by five points. Close game the whole time. They didn't cover. We lost that. I already told you we lost the Bears minus three over the Lions. That's 0-2. But thank God we had the Bills minus six. That was an easy one. We went 1-2. We're 159 and 143. I've got three picks for you now. I'm going again with the Suns because there's nothing I like doing more than chasing Amy. The Suns are playing my Knicks, my erstwhile Knicks. The Suns are only giving a field goal. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe because Phoenix could be late getting to the Garden. Maybe it's that the Suns are unlikely to win 15 in a row. Maybe it's that the Knicks are still being looked at as the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think they're not even close to that. It's too few. Suns, three over the Knicks. And then we've got a game tomorrow. I hope you watch it on Thanksgiving weekend. How many times, Coca, has Jim Harbaugh beaten Ohio State since he joined Michigan? Any idea the number of times? I think it's none, Coca. 
I think you can save your Google. Don't look at your 45 screens. It's zero. When you are hired to coach the Michigan Wolverines, you are hired to do one thing, beat Ohio State. That's it. Although when you have the support of the boosters the way Jim Harbaugh does, I guess it doesn't matter. I've been calling for Jim Harbaugh's ouster for years. Well, Michigan's having a good year. They only have one loss. Ohio State's having a good year. They only have one loss. Ohio State's giving eight points to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, is this your time to finally beat Ohio State? Well, I'm going to watch tomorrow. No chance, toilet pants. Ohio State, eight over Michigan. And then I get to watch football Sunday after watching and knowing there were three games Saturday. The Thursday, I mean. Coca, I want to tell you how grateful I am to you. You know that. I called Coca yesterday or I texted him. I can't remember what I did. I just told him I was grateful to him. I thanked him for helping Nothing Personal become such a good show and how he continues to make it good and better. And I said, I'm very sorry, but I'm picking the Ravens. Minus three and a half over the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, the Odell Beckhamless Cleveland Browns. The team that rallied around Baker, Springfield, Dusty Mayfield. I can't remember whatever his name is. The guy who was supposed to be so good and he's just actually sort of mediocre. I know it's Baker Mayfield. The Cleveland Browns are an absolute mess, and the Ravens are only giving three and a half. I'm worried about the half. I'm not buying it down. I'm not going money line. We're going Ravens minus three and a half over the Browns. So the picks for the weekend, because it's Friday, Suns three over Knicks, Ohio State eight over Michigan, Ravens three and a half over Browns. We'll see how it goes. We're still 16 games over. Well, that's it. I was going to talk about Will Myers, but I'm not going to. Will Myers, the player for the Padres, he's involved in a lawsuit. Maybe it'll last till Monday. Maybe you'll go read about it. Someone's suing him for $64,000, and I was thinking about the $64,000 pyramid. He's being sued because he didn't pay his dues at a country club because he can't get a good enough tea time, and it made me laugh. I was going to do a little riff on players and on people who join clubs, and then they expect a non-caddyshack experience. They sort of expect to get whatever they want and then they fold up their toys and tents and go home when they don't get what they want. So Will Myers didn't get what he wanted and now the country club said, my God, we have to sue you because you're not paying. Oh my God, you're suing a Major League Baseball player. That's so bad for business. I don't care that you're a Major League Baseball player. You're being sued. You owe us money. That's what happens when you have a bill and you don't pay. It goes to collection or you just get sued. And then there's a countersuit. Will Myers is taking like time out of his precious life. Time is so fleeting, folks. It's passing. Tick tock. $64,000 is a lot of money. You can build a pyramid. You can build a pyramid with $64,000. Not worth it. Anyway, we didn't have time to get to it. I appreciate and I'm grateful to all of you. It's just business, but I'm grateful. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.